0: Today, we're starting a sermon series that is called Chasing Shadows, and during the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the amazing stories in the Old Testament that are a foreshadowing of Jesus. Uh, The whole Old Testament is like this great big building up. It's like this setting up for the coming of Jesus in the New Testament. And so I pray that over the next few weeks, you grow in knowledge, you grow in understanding of who Jesus is, what He's done, and why we absolutely need to put our faith and our trust in Him. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room has engaged in some kind of a battle. Uh, We probably don't go looking for the battle. The battle comes looking for us sometimes. And so we battle away and we struggle and we fight and we do it because we are either trying to achieve something or we are trying to resist something. Whether it was a, a battle in your mind, whether it was a physical battle or whether you've had to fight for what was right, we've often had to engage in some kind of a battle Uh, These battles often take various forms, relational conflict, financial challenges, health issues, uh, spiritual stagnation, strongholds, and so forth. Uh, You probably had to return a meal back to the restaurant kitchen because the meat on your plate looks like it's still alive. And so we battle away, we struggle, and we fight because uh, we refuse to accept this meal that's been presented before us. Uh, We battle away because uh, we just want to achieve fairness. We want to get what we paid for. Uh, or maybe you've had to battle a cold or a flu, and so you whip out the Vicks, you get out the lozenges, you make sure your fluids are up, are, are up, and you do it because you're trying to resist getting the cold or getting this flu. Or maybe you've had to talk yourself and encourage yourself into taking some sort of a risk. Uh, and so you tell yourself, you've got this, you can do it, you're going to be all good, you're going to be fine. And we do it because what we're trying to achieve is confidence to be able to step into this new position, step into new territory, step into a new promotion, take the new job. And so we battle away. We struggle and we fight. Uh, Maybe like me, you've had moments where you've, Uh, started to change your eating habits. You exercise more, you do more meal prep, you do keto more, uh, and you do the whole shebang. And so we struggle away and we battle and we fight because we're trying to achieve a slimmer waistline or we're not settled with the family pack no more. We want a six pack. And so we battle and we struggle away uh, just to be healthy. Uh, We've all experienced some kind of a battle. But have you noticed that oftentimes the thing that can cause the most frustration and the most restlessness is not what we battle, but how we battle. The moment something goes wrong, we jump in and we try to fix it. We try to find a solution. We try to find a process, a system, uh, and and we come up with things to try and make the situation better. But in doing so, we only find ourselves restless and frustrated. The moment something doesn't turn out the way we want it to be, uh, we battle away, we struggle, and we fight away. And so this morning, I want to share a message that's titled The Fight for Life. Whether you believe it or not, there's a fight happening for your life. Whether you can sense it or not, there's a fight happening for your life. Whether you are engaged in this battle or not, there's a fight happening for your life. There's a fight happening for your mind. There's a fight happening for your soul. And in this fight, in this battle, in this struggle uh, that's going on, the manner with which you fight is going to determine whether you win or lose the fight. It's not the what, it's the how. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Joshua 1. I'm going to read from Joshua 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 to 9, and you can follow along uh, on the screens here as well. And it says this, "'No man shall be able to stand before you "'all the days of your life. "'As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. "'I will not lead you nor forsake you. "'Be strong and of good courage, "'for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance "'the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. "'Only be strong and courageous.'" And of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God speaking to Joshua. See, the book of Joshua is full of battle and warfare. It's not a book for the faint of heart. It's not really the kind of book that you go to when you're looking for a cute little encouragement. If I can be candid with you this morning, it's not a book for wimps. Joshua is a book for the courageous. Joshua is the book for the daring, the risk taker. It is for the person who was willing to take a step of faith. You see, Joshua in many ways is a foreshadow of Jesus. You need only to look at the name Joshua to see Jesus. The name Joshua and the name Jesus, they both have the same meaning. Uh, Both of these names mean the Lord is salvation. Joshua led the people of Israel to victory over their physical enemies. In Jesus' We have the victory over our spiritual enemies. Joshua led the people of Israel into physical and natural rest. In Jesus, we have rest that is spiritual and eternal, eternal rest. Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land, the place of rest. Jesus is our gateway into rest, the way, the truth, and the life. You don't need to look far to see how Joshua points to Jesus. But this morning, we're looking at the how, if this life is the life that if if this life is the thing that I'm fighting for, how do I fight? After forty years of being in the wilderness, the people of Israel are now getting ready to step into the promised land. The promised land was there, was where they were able to find rest from their constant struggle, their constant battle, their constant fight for existence. And so rest was part of their inheritance as they entered into the promised land. But you need to understand though that they didn't get rest from the land. The God who gave them the land was the one who gave them the rest. Because even though they entered the land, uh, it's not like they got in there and then they relaxed, kicked their feet up, we, we don't need to do anything. They still had to battle. Uh, they still had battles to fight uh, while they were in the land. And so just before they step into the land, the man who had been leading them all of these years uh, was now dead. God said to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. The book of Joshua starts with the death of their leader. The book of Joshua starts with the death of a great man, Moses. The Bible says there had never been another prophet in Israel like Moses. It was Moses, it was Moses, it was Moses. It was Moses who performed miracles and signs in the sight of the Israelite people. It was Moses who struck the Nile and the water turned to blood. It was Moses who went up the mountain and came down with the 10 commandments. It was Moses who stretched forth his hands and parted the Red Sea. It was Moses who struck the rock and water flowed from it. It was Moses, it was Moses, it was Moses. But now Moses is dead. You can only but imagine how Joshua is feeling in this moment. Wow, Moses is dead. What do I do now? Have you ever had one of those moments? My safety net is gone. What do I do now? My father's just walked out of our family. What do I do now? I've just lost my mother. What do I do now? I've just been diagnosed with the sickness. What do I do now? I've just been made redundant. What do I do now? You see, it's a battle in itself to have to think about where do I go from here? What do I do from this point forward? And so we battle, we struggle, we fight. You see, life sometimes feels like an endless battle, feels like an endless fight, feels like an endless struggle. And I wonder if Joshua uh, had to battle and struggle a bit. God had to encourage Joshua a total of three times in the book of Joshua God said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. The task that Joshua was about to step into, it wasn't a small task. It wasn't easy. And so I wonder if he had struggled a little bit. He is about to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. He is about to lead a people who have been in battle and struggle for their freedom in Egypt. He is about to lead a people who have been battling and struggling for their existence. He's about to lead a people who have been battling and struggling in the wilderness for years. They struggled with God and battled with God in their disobedience. They struggled with Moses and battled with with Moses through their grumbling. He's about to lead a people who have been struggling and battling with their neighboring countries as well. Israel wasn't foreigners to battle. They weren't strangers to the struggle. But now they're about to enter into the land. And you mean to tell me that even in this promised land, this land of rest, we're going to have to battle? We're going to have to fight? You see, the promised land that the people of Israel are about to enter into it was occupied by the Canaanite people. And you see the Canaanite people, they were quite the idolaters. They worshiped pagan gods. They, they, they engaged in taboo sexual acts. They believed in sacrificing their children to other gods. And so Israel's instruction was very clear. They were to drive out the Canaanites But all of the fighting and the battling that's happening in the book of Joshua, it doesn't necessarily mean though that God condones violence. It doesn't mean that Joshua and the people in Israel were motivated by the act of killing a group of people. No, the conquering of the land was more about dismantling the culture of idolatry and worship of pagan gods that was in the land. And so Israel march on and the first battle they fight is the battle of Jericho. And this is how you know that God was with him. Because you see, Joshua is this amazing commander, right? His experience is leading troops. Uh, He's used to training the troops. He's working well under pressure. He's used to leading the charge, coming up with strategies and tactics for the battle. He's used to holding the defense line, all of the above. And yet he receives a divine instruction from God and their plan of attack is crazy. Joshua 6 verse 2 to 5 says this, "'But the Lord said to Joshua, "'I have given you Jericho, its king, "'and all its strong warriors.'" You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long uh, long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. What kind of a plan is this? Marching around seven times, shouting as loud as they can, blasting the ram's horn. How on earth is that going to help them defeat and drive out the enemy? But here's how the story ends. Joshua six twenty says, When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. You see, God is communicating something here to Israel. Here's what he's trying to say. As I was with Moses, so shall I be, so will I be with you. The people of Israel needed to understand that you're going to have to fight some battles as you enter the promised land. But you also need to understand that your victory isn't going to come because of your weaponry or military equipment. Joshua, you may be an impressive military commander, but victory ain't going to come because of your manpower. It ain't going to be about your military uh, strategies and combat and tactics. No, you're going to have victory because as I was with Moses so shall I be with you. The promised land is guaranteed. The the rest is guaranteed. Victory is guaranteed. But you need to know that it ain't because of yourselves. This isn't about Israel versus Canaanites. It's about the battle belongs to God. As I was uh, preparing for this message, I realized that every battle that Israel fought, they won in different ways. When Moses fought the Egyptians, he parted the Red Sea. When Joshua fought Jericho, they marched around the walls. When David fought the Philistines, he used a pebble and a a sling. The one thing that all these guys had in common was this, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. They all had the presence of God. Here's what you need to know today, church. The battle is going to come at you dressed up in financial difficulty, dressed up in cancer, dressed up in unemployment, dressed up in addiction, dressed up as somebody cutting you off on the street, uh, dressed up as rejection, dressed up as mental health. But you need to look at that thing and hold on to the promise of God that says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. The Israelites marched and shouted and the walls of Jericho came down. It's not the what we're battling, it's the how we are battling. This battle reminds us that sometimes the thing that's holding us from the promised land, the thing that is holding us from rest, cannot be destroyed with physical weapons. Can you imagine Joshua going back to the troops saying, so guys, here's our battle plan. Uh, The musicians are going to lead us. Not the guys with the bow and arrows, not the guys with the swords, not the guys with the axes, the musicians, they're going to go in front of us. And here's what they're going to do. The moment you hear the ram's horn, you need to shout as loud as you can. If that was me, I would have been like, Joshua, this is a stink plan. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you came in here, you're frustrated. You're tired. You're restless. You've been fighting and battling and struggling. God sent me here this morning to say to you and tell you, stop trying to use carnal weapons to fight a battle that is spiritual. Sometimes the medication can only do so much. Sometimes the budgeting can only do so much. Sometimes the paycheck can only cover so much. Sometimes the immigration can only do so much. Some battles are best fought on our knees. Some battles are best fought with faith in God. Some battles are best fought with our reliance on God. It's like God was saying to Israel, I know that Jericho is a fortified city. I know that the walls of Jericho are strong, but are you able to trust my battle plan? God is saying to you this morning, I know what the doctor's report says. I was there when your boss made you redundant. I know what the economy's like. I know that we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I need to know, can you trust me? I need to know, are you able to praise your way through to victory? I need to know, are you able to thank me before you even see the breakthrough? Church, it's not the what we're battling, it's how we're battling. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. The battle of Jericho is reminding us this. God goes ahead of those who have put their faith in him. God is God fights for those who put their trust in him. In other words, the victory is more than just possible, it's promised. The Israelites go through a second battle, and this is the battle of Ai. Israelites go into battle Ai and they are defeated. Because when they conquered Jericho, God gave them clear instructions. You are not to take anything from Jericho and keep it for yourself. Everything was supposed to be devoted to God, either given to the tabernacle or um, completely destroyed. But a man by the name of Akan, he decides I'm gonna take some of these goods and I'm gonna hide it in my tent. He breaks the covenant with God by simply deciding that he's gonna battle, he's gonna struggle and do this his way through disobedience. And so when Joshua and the troops stepped into battle, they were utterly defeated. Israel weren't able to fight in God's presence unless they walked in obedience to God. Again, Israel are trying to fight a battle, uh, struggle away and battle away and fight away, doing it their own way. They aren't satisfied with God's plan. They're wanting the promised land, but they want it on their terms. They want the rest, but they want it their way. They're starting to crave the riches of the land and not the victory found in God's presence. Because the truth is this the promise isn't necessarily the land, the promise is the rest. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. The promise is the presence of God. You know, we can get so caught up trying to chase the land that we forsake the presence. We want the power, but we want it without the presence. We want the kingdom, but we want it without the king. We want the public ministry, but we don't wanna commit to the uh, private disciplines. We want the land, but we don't want the the presence. Can I encourage you this morning, church? Quit chasing the land, quit chasing the paper, chase the presence, because when you've got the presence, the paper will follow the ministry will follow, the power will follow, the land will follow. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. You see, Israel ended up cleaning up after what they had done wrong. They had to deal with their disobedience, with their sin because they were conquered by their sin. But the moment that they dealt with their sin, they were able to walk in God's power and presence again because they were now conquered uh, by God. The battle of Ai was teaching Israel that victory begins when they rest on what God has done. If I can ask the keys to join me this morning. And so the big question that we've been waiting to answer this morning, so how do we fight? If my life is the thing that I'm fighting for, how do I fight? If my marriage is the thing that I'm fighting for, how do I fight? If my job is the thing that I'm fighting for, how do I fight? If my health is the thing that I'm fighting for, how do I fight? If breakthrough is the thing that I'm fighting for, how do I fight? Actually, the better question to ask is, am I fighting for victory or am I fighting from victory? How do I know? If you're here this morning and you're tired of fighting, you're tired of the battle, you're tired of the struggle, my friend, you've been trying to fight for victory. You're trying to fight a battle that Jesus has already won. And the fruit of trying to battle that way is restlessness. And that would often lead to defeat. But you know what? I'm thankful to God that the fruit of a battle that is being fought from victory is rest. You can be in the middle of the battle and have rest. You can be walking through the valley and have rest. You can be in the midst of the storm and have rest. I'm not talking about taking a break or relaxing, chilling and kicking your feet up and just having a a chill. Because the rest that's often mentioned in the Bible is the Hebrew word shakat. And that that word there means to be still, to be quiet or to be undisturbed. Actually, a better way to describe that word is that it is an inner sense of peace, of stillness, of being undisturbed. It is security. Security on the inside that knows that the battle has already been won. Security on the inside to know that the victory is already yours. Security on the inside to know that there is nothing else that the Israelites could have done to win the battle. But as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. It's got nothing to do with the manpower, nothing to do with military equipment or weaponry. It's about the battle belonging to God. And because he's already won the battle, I can have rest. I can have security in the victory that God has already given me. You see, the rest that God offers us, it's patterned after his own rest when he finished the work of creation. Why did God rest on the seventh day? You see, we rest because we are finite beings and Our strength is limited. We are weak and we often need rest. But God is not a finite being and God's strength is not limited. He didn't sit down on day seven of creation and say, oh, I'm tired, I need a rest. You see, God took a look at what he had created and he said, it is good. God completed his work and he said, it is good. He didn't need to do anything more. You see, he wasn't tired, he was satisfied. He rested because he was satisfied with what he had done. After the two battles in Canaan, <clears throat> the people of Israel were victorious. You see, what I'm trying to help you see this morning, church, is that the fighting and the battling happening in Joshua wasn't about what, how, what they fought. It was about how they fought. It didn't matter how big Jericho was. It didn't matter how big I was. It wasn't about what they fought. It was about how they fought. And here's how they fought. They fought completely relying and depending on God. In Joshua, we see that the people of Israel entered into the promised land. They enter into rest, a rest from war, a rest from battling, a rest from struggle. But all of that was just a foreshadow. All of that was actually just pointing to a greater rest. A rest not of the land, but a rest for our souls. A rest that we enter into by completely trusting and relying on what God has done. You may have walked in here and there's a Jericho in your life that you're fighting. There's an eye in your life that you've been fighting. And you're here this morning and you're saying, I don't think I've got enough fight in me to keep fighting. This Jericho in front of me, this eye in front of me is too big. And it, my friend, it's not what you're fighting. It's how you're fighting. And here's how you fight. You fight by resting on what God has done. What has God done? John 3:16: "God so loved the world, and He gave his only Son, and whosoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life." First Corinthians 15:57 says this, "But thank God, He gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ." That's enough. Rest in that, and you will find the rest for your soul. The next time you come up against Jericho or an eye in your life, you position yourself in Christ and you say, "Nana, nah, God has already given me the victory over that thing. I'm going to rest on what God has already done. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You need to know that Jesus is the gateway to rest not the rest that the world knows it, but the kind of rest that is eternal and secure. If you're here and you're saying, I wanna experience that rest, I want to enter into that rest, my friend, you do it by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. The truth is this, the God who created this universe, this good, holy, righteous, and perfect God is the God who created you. He created you to know him. He created you to experience the rest that is only found in Him. He created you to be in perfect and loving relationship with Him, to walk in fellowship with Him. But this fellowship is hindered by a barrier. That barrier is called sin. Sin is doing things our way. Sin is us doing the opposite of what God is asking of us. It is that sin that separates us from God. It is that sin that disconnects us from God. But also the penalty of that sin is death. You see, we couldn't try to save ourselves through good works. We couldn't try to talk our way out of this penalty. There was nothing that we could have done to save ourselves. But you see, God in his grace, he sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you and I didn't have to pay the penalty for our sins. God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That means that through Jesus Christ, we can have our sins forgiven and we can be restored to a right relationship with God. And so it doesn't matter what you've done, who you did it with or how you did it, my friend, the blood of Jesus is enough to wash away your sins. Today, he's extending his grace to every one of us. Forgiveness for your past, a new life right now, and a hope for your future and eternal life with him. We must turn away from sin and place our faith in Jesus Christ as our savior. And so if that's you today and you're saying, I want to accept this gift of salvation. I want to come into right relationship with God. I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand and you can put it down straight away. And you don't have to be shy up in here. Ain't nobody in this room was born holy. This room is full of people who have been saved uh, by grace. But we want you to know that we're right here for you and you've got nothing to be afraid of. But I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you. Two, he's speaking to your heart right now. Three, raise your hand. I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand, 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 thank you. Come on church, let's put our hands together. Oh, come on, you can do better than that church. Let's put our hands together, amen. Hey, if you raise your hand, I wanna encourage you. I want you to repeat this prayer after me and we're gonna pray this prayer together as a church family. And I want you to know that this prayer doesn't save you. This prayer is an expression of you putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And so let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.